1: This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. Welcome to Catholic Review Radio. With us today on the show is Dominican Father Patrick Briscoe, one of the organizers of a national rosary pilgrimage, culminating in Washington, D.C. in late September. A native of Fort Wayne, Indiana, Father Patrick Briscoe joined the Dominicans, formerly known as the Order of Preachers, in 2010. He completed his initial studies in theology at the Dominican House of Studies in Washington, where he earned a licentiate in moral theology. He's served as a parish priest, and currently he's the editor of Our Sunday Visitor. In his copious spare time, Father Patrick is a Eucharistic preacher, a work he's undertaken to support the USCCB led Eucharistic revival. And along with his Dominican brothers, he's a host of the podcast God Splaining and a co author of St. Dominic's Way of Life A Path to Knowing and Loving God. Welcome to the show, Father Patrick.
2: Hey, thanks so much for having me on today, Chris. It's great to be with you and great to be talking about this exciting pilgrimage.
1: It certainly is. But before we talk about the pilgrimage, can you explain a little bit about where the rosary came from? I I would guess that a lot of folks think that the prayer has always been with us, the Our Father and the Hail Mary, which are, you know, integral parts of the rosary are firmly based in scripture, With the Hail Mary based on Elizabeth's greeting to her cousin in the first chapter of Luke's gospel, and Jesus taught the apostles how to pray in Matthew 6 by using what we now know as the the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. How does St. Dominic, the founder of your order, get credit for the rosary in 1208?
2: Yeah, that's such a great defense of the rosary as a scriptural prayer, right? And I always say that to people if they say that they're struggling with the rosary, I ask them, well, what do you think about the Bible? (laughs) Because if they say, I've got a hard time with the Bible too, then I know (laughs) know something else we need to talk about. That's a whole different kind of conversation. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, as you mentioned, the, the, the fundamental words to the rosary are, are, are a recitation of some of the most important words of Scripture, the moments where where we are taught how to pray, you know, especially the Our Father, but there's the doxology and the glory being given to the Trinity all over St. Paul's letters, for example, and then we have Saint, uh, the words recorded by St. Luke, the, the angel's words to the Virgin Mary at the Annunciation, which are the first part of the Hail Mary. So, so yeah, the rosary is fundamentally a very biblical prayer. The evolution of the rosary is a little bit complex, which is not a cop-out. It is, it's, it's just very difficult to talk about uh, with great certainty. So, uh, so let's start with the, with the fact that we know that St. Dominic um, has been credited by tradition for preaching the rosary. And there, in going into this mix uh, are, are a few things which we know for absolute certain. One is that we know that St. Dominic had a great devotion to the Virgin Mary, and that was passed very early on to the Brethren. So our habit includes a scapular uh, showing our, our love for the Virgin Mary. We wear the rosary at our, at our hip on our left side. We sing the salve, you know, that beautiful hymn dedicated to the Virgin Mary at the end of our Compline. And we were the first religious order in the history of the church to include the name of the Virgin Mary in our profession of religious vows. So we know, we know that St. Dominic was very dedicated to the, to the Virgin Mary. And we know that he prescribed recitations of sets of prayers, to the members of the confraternities he founded when he was preaching in the south of France. What we don't have is any kind of substantial historical evidence that St. Dominic invented the rosary. And so we've, this is one of the things that the Society of Jesus has given us a little bit of a hard time about. Uh, so, we you know, there's been the Dominican, the Dominican Jesuit thing over the years, and uh, there's a group of really world-class Jesuit scholars that came along uh, they, were, they were Renaissance men of, of great renown, and they did, they did some historical dives. They're referred to collectively as the Bolandists, And the Bolandists said, look, guys, you know, you don't have really compelling historical evidence for St. Dominic, demonstrating that St. Dominic was the origin of, of the spreading of the rosary. And so we have to have um, a, kind of, um, a kind of gentleness as we approach the question because of that historical record. But what can we say? You know, we can say, okay, we just don't have the evidence, which isn't really a surprise, considering that all of our priories were attacked and burned and so much has been lost in the sands of time. And it was eight centuries ago. Exactly. That's right. So, so I think it's better, in my mind, I think it's better to, to follow the venerable traditions of the church, which do, which do uh, suggest that St. Dominic was a great promoter of devotion to the Virgin Mary and of, the, and of some version of the rosary. And that that's something that many popes have held. That's come down to us in, um, in papal teaching. And, and we can be content with that as a kind of origin story. You know that, 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 That's really the truth, is that St. Dominic, when he was preaching the mysteries of the faith, never shied away from preaching devotion to the Virgin Mary. And I think people knew that and intuited that. And that's, that's an important part of what comes down to us through the tradition uh, through the tradition to the present day
1: hmm. The rosary seems to be a fairly simple prayer, very repetitive, small, almost like a mantra. Uh, and yet some people have a hard time with it. There's four different sets of mysteries to pray. You know, so sometimes people get uh, lose a little track of what what am I supposed to be praying today? But, you know, even if you don't have a rosary in your hand or on your hip, as you do, um, you can count the prayers on your fingers. You know, so what makes the rosary such a beautiful prayer?
2: Yeah, that's right. That's what my mom always said. You've got fingers and toes. You can you can use those to count the rosary. Um, and I and I've always felt that way. So one of the beautiful things about the rosary is that it's a, at its origin, right, it consisted of three sets of mysteries. So that meant you prayed 150 Hail Marys. And each of those Hail Marys corresponded to a psalm. And I think this is an interesting link that maybe a lot of people overlook today, is that while priests and religious monks nuns would be would be set aside to pray the liturgy of the hours which is the special chanted recitation of the psalms right while they would be set aside for that the version of joining in that prayer for the laity was to say a hail mary representing each one of those psalms so that's a nice correspondence and that's why that's why there were 150 uh, 150 uh hail Marys. so you'll hear you'll hear friars jokes sometimes you know oh i'll pray the luminous mysteries when John Paul II adds another 50 psalms to the Psalter. So they, <laughs> so they sort of tease like that about the Luminous Mysteries. But of course, of course, the Order prays the Luminous Mysteries and they're, very, they're extremely beautiful prayers um, because, because the Luminous Mysteries that John Paul added, uh, that Pope St. John Paul II added, echo the most beautiful part of the rosary, which is that fundamentally it is a meditation on the life of Jesus Christ. And that's the powerful thing, you know, so if you if you think, oh, gosh, you know, this prayer is difficult for me because I keep getting lost in the weeds. Well, then it's important to step back up and say, what is this about? This is about looking at Jesus. This is a prayer Mm -hmm. about looking at Christ and about thinking about the greatest moments of his life. Because if you're struggling with talking to someone about Jesus, all you have to do is follow the
1: mysteries of the rosary. And you've got a pretty good story of what happened in the Lord's life. Right. I'll walk through the Gospels, as it were. You know, we we pray the joyful mysteries usually on Mondays and Saturdays, the sorrowful on Tuesdays and Fridays, glorious on Wednesdays and Sundays, and then the luminous mysteries, which you mentioned that Pope St. John Paul uh, instituted on Thursdays. Do you have a favorite set?
2: I do. I'm a joyful mystery guy, you know, and, and I think that comes from, in part, the, the artwork that, that I often associate with that mystery. I mean, you begin, at the, you, you begin with the Annunciation, and there are just so many beautiful depictions of that moment, so many beautiful paintings, including Fra Angelico, who was the great Dominican artist, uh, portraying the angels in conversation with the Virgin Mary. I just think that's such a beautiful moment. And at that, that moment, the Annunciation is, of course, an echo. Of the prayer which the church says several times a day that we call the angelus so i i just love that moment so much
1: yeah i'm, I'm not a fan of the sorrowful mysteries i mean i know they're an important part of, <laughs> of life but it, they're just they kind of get depressing sometimes when you really kind of dwell on those and and so yeah i i prefer the 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 joyful or the glorious or the luminous mysteries to the sorrowful i guess um, why did the Dominicans uh, begin a nine month novena in January leading up to this Dominican Rosary pilgrimage that's coming up in late September in DC?
2: Yeah, the great thing that we, that we've been we've been really talking about the whole idea of this pilgrimage is it's not another event. you know there are plenty of ways to get catechesis uh, and, and some really amazing amazing resources to form your Catholic faith. So that's not the main goal for this event actually. The main goal for this event, is to gather people together in prayer, and so so part of part of what we were thinking when we when we launched the novena was uh, was that we were imagining what could we do that would get people to join in something and and really build a movement of prayer, and so we said well pe- people love praying novenas so let's just do a big novena once a month on the day that the pilgrimage is going to happen we'll begin to say the novena prayer and we've had some very beautiful stories come about about. We've had people returning to the church, writing and telling us that, you know, their grandchildren or a friend um, passed them the, the rosary pilgrimage, novena prayer, and they become they become practicing again. We had one we had one convict um, uh, who's on death row right into the basilica and ask for holy cards to be sent to him so that he could join in the novena prayer because he heard about it somehow, maybe in writing or something. He heard about the Novena prayer and he wanted to be able to join from his house. We we sent him holy cards and gave him some that he could arrange um, to be distributed among his fellow inmates. So so we know that people have wanted to to join in um, in this this powerful prayer, this powerful sharing. And it's echoed in places that we we
1: never expected that it would. Mm -hmm. Before we take a break, why don't you tell people where they can learn more about the Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage? So everything is available online at
2: our website at Rosary Pilgrimage. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. That has news about the pilgrimage, the schedule, and everything you know you need to know for the day of for September 30th when the pilgrimage is gonna take place in Washington, DC.
1: Wonderful. Well, after the break, we are gonna talk some more with Dominican father Patrick Briscoe about the Rosary and about the Rosary Pilgrimage september 30th this is chris gunty and you're listening to catholic review radio
0: the archdiocese of baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes schools and other ministries the Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability.
3: Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Along with a successful Source of All Hope ministry in place since 2019 at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Baltimore City will soon have a new urban ministry, Gift of All Truth. While Source of All Hope involves young urban missionaries reaching out to people experiencing homelessness, poverty, and addiction on city streets, Gift of All Truth will focus on sharing the love of Christ with youth in the Archdiocese of Baltimore. The program will be based at the Cathedral of Mary, Our Queen in Homeland, whose staff is working along with the Basilica and the Archdiocese Institute for Evangelization to start the new venture. Youth outreach in the city seemed a perfect way to expand the church's missionary footprint as a natural outgrowth of Source of All Hope, according to Father Brendan Fitzpatrick, Basilica Rector. Gift and Source missionaries will live together on the campus of St. Thomas Aquinas in Hamden, thanks to a facilities lease agreement granted by the Archdiocese to both programs. The convent and rectory are being renovated with the help of volunteers. Gift of All Truth officially launches in the summer of 2024 with an initial focus on Mother Mary Lang Catholic School in Baltimore with a plan to get into the classrooms, meet parents and students, and host a retreat. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. The Vatican urged the international community to press for a special statute to guarantee religious freedom in the city of Jerusalem in any agreements regarding a peace deal between Israel and Palestine. Addressing a ministerial-level meeting on the sidelines of the UN General Assembly in New York September 18th, Archbishop Paul R. Gallagher, Vatican Foreign Minister, called for an internationally guaranteed statute on Jerusalem to ensure the equal rights and duties of faithful Christians, Jews, and Muslims, with the absolute guarantee of freedom of religion, and of access to and worship in holy places, and respect for the status quo regime where it applies. Archbishop Gallagher said that establishing guidelines for the administration of Jerusalem is a, quote, central point of contention that needs to be addressed in order to achieve a stable and lasting peace, end quote, between Israel and Palestine. And he lamented the, quote, acts of intolerance, end quote, in the city against Christians. For more on these and other stories, visit catholicreview.org. For Catholic Review Media, I'm Kevin Parks.
0: This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio.
1: We are back on Catholic Review Radio talking with Dominican Father Patrick Briscoe about the upcoming Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, September 30th, at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. Father Patrick, how can your pilgrimage highlight the history of the rosary?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Well, we thought about hosting another Inquisition, but we <laughs> maybe
1: not. Maybe that's not. Nobody expects that. Maybe that's not what we need
2: right now. So we said, no, no, we're gonna we're gonna have a Rosary pilgrimage. So one one of the things I think that is is very beautiful about the way that we frame the day is that this is actually a pilgrimage. You know, and that in and of itself um, re- recalls the recalls the ancient traditions. We don't have too many. Um, national pilgrimages like this in in the United States In other Catholic countries. There, there's more of a sense of this. Like I'm thinking of like great pilgrimage, great pilgrimages to Lourdes, or you know we we're talking already about the Jubilee year coming up, where all of us are going to try to get to Rome. You know, so we have a sense for for pilgrimages in other places. And part of the idea was that um, is that we would invite people to rediscover what it means to go on a pilgrimage um, and, and to to reconnect kind of historically. Um, with with that with that uh, moment of Christian life, and so part of the idea is that um, that when you're on a pilgrimage, people naturally share their experiences, mm-hmm. and so we expect that part of the joy of the day will be pilgrims meeting each other and sharing their own stories about the Rosary. You know that as as they as they bump into each other, and make new acquaintances, make new friends, our networks uh, are going to grow, and people will be will be able to rejoice in the sign of. The body of believers coming together. So, so I, so I think one part of it, not to overlook, is not not just what um, we, the Dominicans, are going to do that day, but but what the value of Catholics coming together will um, be. That there will be a, a real sharing in that in that experience.
1: Yeah, it's it's the journey itself that is part of the prayer. You know, part of that that thing. I, I recall a, a Harry Chapin song where he talks about it's got to be the going, not the getting there, that's good. That's right. That's right. And yeah. So it's it's really about kind of making this you may end up at the basilica for the final event, you know, and which hopefully spurs you on to other things, but it's what got you there that's going to be uh also telling and and a part of that that story. So um that that's important. How do the 9 month novena and the Dominican rosary pilgrimage bring people together? You mentioned before the uh, the break about you know the the inmate on death row how did the the rest of this bring people together
2: yeah we're definitely hearing the stories but one another one of the key aspects is um that we want we want this national event to inspire local events and so one of the things that we've looked at uh, kind of analogously is the way that the national march for life has influenced local events in the pro life movement we've we've seen oh that's very beautiful sure. um and so we're so we're hoping And that's a pilgrimage of sorts itself exactly yes exactly and so so we're hoping that um we're hoping to take those those kind of sentiments that people have realized and experienced in the march for life and um, and direct those into uh into the power of prayer so one of the things that we want to talk a lot about are the rosary confraternities which are the way that people experience and live the rosary in their local parishes right and um, confraternities are, are spiritual societies throughout the church. Many religious orders have them. They're devoted to different causes. And um, for, for many centuries now, the friars, the Dominican fathers have been entrusted with promoting the rosary. And one of the ways we promote the rosary is by promoting membership in rosary confraternities. So confraternities can be founded at each parish. Um, and there's not a lot that's required um, to be done to found a confraternity and to live in a confraternity but they can be homes for, for, for great action and for bringing people together and, and animating parish life. Um, and I think everyone wants a little, a little bit more of that in their world. When you look back and, at some great saints, um, some, some extremely only men and women from the 20th century, you'll find that they were members of the Rosary Confraternity. Pierre Giorgio Frassati was, for example, this great animator of life among young people. Um, Giorgio Lapierre, the, the, um, the great Italian uh, p- politician, he was a member of the Rosary Confraternity. So, so you have people, kind of in impacting, um, impacting society in all kinds of different ways uh, through membership in the rosary confraternities um, that, are, uh, that I think are often overlooked. So, so one of the things, again, that we want to talk about that day are, are the confraternities. We're going to encourage people to join them and to animate them on the local level because those can be opportunities for spiritual renewal um, in, in parishes.
1: What does the schedule look like for that day?
2: so one of the things that i'm really excited about the schedule in, involves some um, uh involves opportunities for prayer personal prayer right there's going to be extended adoration um opportunities for confession so plenty of dominican fathers that you won't see every sunday i think that's always a value uh i think that uh, i think that people are going to really enjoy the conferences so the the preacher uh the preacher of the of the pilgrimage this year is Father Gregory Pine, so he'll be preaching two conferences um, that are going to be going to be quite compelling. I'm very excited about the way we're going to pray the Rosary, so it's Rosary Pilgrimage, so that should be the highlight of the day, you know. So, so towards the late afternoon on Saturday, after you know some really wonderful events, we're we're going to pray the three initial sets of mysteries, the Joyful, Sorrowful, and Glorious Mysteries of the Rosary, um, but in a very moving fashion. This is going to involve. procession around the upper church, and some very beautiful music, which is being arranged for the day. So I, th- I think that will have a huge impact on pilgrims. And then the mass that's celebrated, um, there will be opportunity to attend a vigil mass, which will of course, be if the date being September 30th, it, w- it will be the vigil mass for the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, which Dominicans celebrate every year on the first Sunday of October. Um, so so that mass will, will open the month of the Holy Rosary for us. Um, so that that liturgy, Will also be very beautiful, and will feature the student friars from the Dominican House of Studies, who have a very beautiful scola. Uh, they'll be singing at that mass. Um, so, so I, I, think, I think those moments of prayer are really going to resonate, and like I said, encourage people. I mean, one of the things that we all face right now is a, is a kind of aloneness. We think, gosh, you know, I must be the only Catholic that, that believe that believes in prayer, right? that believes this is worth doing. And, and so part of the part of the sense of the day is just to bring bring people. Uh, together, who are who are like-minded, that are compelled to say no, praying the rosary is important, and this dimension of my Catholic faith is important, and I want to share that. Um, so it's it's an opportunity to uh, to let people know that they're not that they're not alone, and that they can join in this great
1: day. Mm-hmm. Now the basilica holds a lot of people, several thousand. But what if people can't make it to Washington D.C. that day? Can they be a part of this? The basilica holds at least a million people. You know? Yeah. <laughs>
2: It does not all the million
1: people? No, eight thousand, I think. But but we are
2: we we are eager for people to participate. Um, so the whole day will be live streamed, um, which you can sign up and follow. Again, that's at rosarypilgrimage.org, so you can sign up to get those emails. Um, and then we have other hopes for for broadcasting the mass, which are which are being pursued um, currently. So um, so elements of the day will will appear in in other places. and um, the, the big key is yeah, again to head over to rosarypilgrimage.org and sign up. Uh, to get that information about following the day the live stream and uh, all the subsequent communications.
1: Good. We mentioned uh, in your introduction that you are also a Eucharistic preacher. Um, obviously the Eucharist is very important to the Dominicans, the order of preachers, and preaching is obviously a big part of your charism. Is this rosary pilgrimage tied into the national Eucharistic revival that's underway and and will kind of have a, a big event next year in Indianapolis?
2: Absolutely, you know, and um, one, that's one of the main reasons why we add an extended period of adoration. Um, so we know that uh, that the Blessed Virgin Mary never competes with Jesus for our attention, because she's so perfectly humble that she always points us right to the Lord. Right. So the Rosary is is ne- is ne- never to be viewed in competition with the, with the Eucharist. And certainly, our hope is that people would have an experience of Eucharistic prayer uh, during this Rosary weekend that would help them animate the, the revival. And, and again, I think the rosary confraternities, um, establishing the confraternities on the local level can be, a, can be a mechanism for organization to promote events that would support the Eucharistic revival, which is, which is ultimately um, a- aimed, at, a- aimed at a very similar goal, which is to renew people and to help the faith become uh, something something that, that really animates them, uh, to give people opportunities to reconnect with the church uh, especially. And I think there are many people who, uh, you know, and I hear this all the time from people as a priest. I think there are many people that pray the Rosary that don't go to Sunday Mass, and we should be we should be talking about that. That might be, you know, they're devoted in a kind of personal way uh, to the Rosary, and uh, it's on us then to help them see how the Rosary is connected to, to um, the core of Catholic life.
1: Yeah, I noticed even on your on the shop on your rosarypilgrimage.org website, there are you know, coffee cups and hats and shirts. And, and one of the main things on there is a coffee cup that says to Jesus through Mary. So it's really always about Mary's always pointing us to her son. Uh, it's always about, you know, yeah, yeah. You can talk to me. You can ask me, but I'm going to ask him. You know, I'm, I'm going to send your, your request to to my son. So I, I think it's interesting that, that there is always that connection between, you know, our prayers in the rosary and in the Eucharist. They've got to go together.
2: Absolutely, no, I couldn't agree more.
1: Yeah. Well, we are talking today with Dominican Father Patrick Briscoe about the Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage scheduled for September 30th at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. As we've said, information on the pilgrimage is available at rosarypilgrimage.org. And you can get all the information there about uh, the schedule for the day, how to get there, where to park, what metro to take to get there. All of that information is on there, including uh, how to get sign up for uh, for some notifications and, and get more information. Are you looking to make this an ev- annual event?
2: That's our great hope. But, you know, you have to walk before you can run, Chris. So we'll, so we'll see. Whatever the Lord wants.
1: Amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Father Patrick. Thanks so much for having me on, Chris. God bless. Thank you. This is Christopher Gunty of The Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Review Radio. The
2: Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow The Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org.
1: Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app.